I think it's fair to say that um, most of the problems in our lives stem from the fact that we take ourselves too serious and we don't take God serious enough. I mean, if you think, uh, think about it, the, the fact is that we get things kind of skewed. We, we think our perspective is the only perspective, that it's the most important perspective. It's what really matters. And we kind of downplay God's perspective. And I think that's one of the reasons Faith Fellowship exists, is we're trying to reverse that trend, to turn it around. And today what I want to talk about is a deep water topic of commitment, about the importance uh, of commitment in our lives, and to kind of overcome the, the fears that come with committing ourselves to whatever it is. I mean, I think when you talk about commitment, it's a scary word in our society today because we don't like to make commitments. You know, we, it causes this level of anxiety and fear. And you hear it in different ways in, in people's lives. Uh, people say, well, you know, I, I want to keep my options open. Now, what that means is they're going to see if something better comes along. <laughs> and, uh, you know, don't fence me in. I, I like to be flexible in my life. I, I like to, to have some flexibility in my schedule and what I do. And it's a wait-and-see mentality. And, and consequently, I, I think because we shy away from those commitments in our lives, I think we miss the best that God has to offer. And if you think about this, this topic affects every single arena in our lives. You know, the, the fear of commitment affects people vocationally. You know, sometimes people become a ping-pong ball when it, when it comes to their profession. Uh, relationally, if you, if you struggle with commitments, what you find is you jump from one relationship to another. And you never really develop any depth in, in relationship. You kind of skim the surface with the people in your life. Uh, educationally, recreationally, health-wise. I mean, failure to, to keep commitments will keep you from working out, from maintaining a healthy diet. And ultimately, I want to suggest to you that fear of, fear of committing will affect your eternity. You know, it keeps people from giving their life to Jesus Christ. It keeps people from putting God first. Uh, it keeps people from uh, following their God-given design, what God created you for. And I want you to understand something, because I, I think when it comes to the issue of commitment, that we need to understand it's not an across-the-board thing. In other words, it's not you either have it or you don't. The, the reality is... Some of you, you'd go, you know what, I'm very committed in this particular area of my life, but then I struggle in this area. And what I want us to own today is to look at our lives, evaluate our lives, and see that area where we struggle with commitments, because all of us, on some level, struggle making commitments in certain areas of our lives. And the Bible has a lot to say on this whole commitment thing. It says there's nothing more important than the commitments that we make. And I believe that God wants us to be wise when we're choosing those commitments in our lives. And to not have commitments comes with a high price tag. And the wrong commitments can jam you up and mess you up. And you notice I said wrong? Did you catch that? 
I didn't say evil or bad because I'm going to make an assumption. You know, I'm just looking here. We, I think we're fairly intelligent. Uh, my guess is it's not, well, should I make this evil commitment or this good commitment? That, that's not the problem, is it? The problem really is, should I make a good commitment? You know, it's the difference between good and bad here isn't the problem. It's good at the expense of great. That's the problem in our society. We choose a lot of good things, but we don't choose the great things. Commitment's about diving in. It's about giving myself to, to something. It's about investing my, my time, my money, my energy in whatever. And the reality is our commitments reveal what's really important to us in life. You know, the things I'm willing to commit myself to shows what I value. And in other words, I may say my family's important. But if I rarely give them my time, I'm just kidding myself, right? Or, or maybe it's one of those where I say, God's number one in my life. Being a Christian is the most important thing. But, but if I never commit myself and give up my, my time and my talent, you know, work at developing a relationship with God... Again, I'm just kidding myself, because we all see through that. You know, the bottom line is, what you commit your time, your talents, and your energy to is what you value in life. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. No one. I mean, I think what Jesus was pushing at there was, you do not have time for everything in your life, so you better choose wisely, you better pick carefully, in fact, selection's the name of the game. If you want to know what's important to you today, don't go, well, what do I think? Look at what you choose, and that'll tell you. Now, I know as I say that, and I'm going to be careful how I say this, but as I say that, some of you are going, well, I'm not committed to anything. What's that mean? Well, that's not good news. It's not. It means that you value yourself. It means you value your independence. It means that they, when you are non-committal in life, it really gets at a thing called selfishness, and that's another day, another topic. But that, that is a reality. People go, well, I just can't commit, can't commit, can't commit. Well, then you're the value in your life. You know, our commitments shape who we are. They determine our, our character. They determine what kind of person that we're going to become. See, I become what I'm committed to. And that's why it's so important to choose carefully. Proverbs 4.23 says, Your life is shaped by your thoughts, by what, by what you think. If I think making money is the most important thing in life, it will shape me. It'll shape my character. It'll shape how I live my life. If I think being popular is the most important thing, then you live accordingly. True? Is that a fair statement? What you believe is important determines what kind of values you have. It determines your, how you're going to be shaped. It'll ultimately determine your destination. See, it paves the way. Every choice you make not only impacts here and now, but it impacts eternity. 
In fact, I would argue that even the most insignificant choices, the things that we choose on a daily basis, have implications over the long haul of life. Again, that's why it's vital that we choose carefully, that that we pick the things that are going to pay in high dividends. See, wise people, I believe, don't just drift through life. They decide what's important. They, they make their commitments to that uh, accordingly. And they understand how it affects their life and the, and the path that they take. You know, Mark eight thirty six. Jesus says this. He says, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? Is anything worth exchanging for your soul? I remember the first time I read that. And I thought, Whoa. That's heavy stuff. That, that phrase still gets in my head. You know, it causes me to pause, to think, what are you willing to exchange for your soul? Ow, that's a little scary. I mean, if you're the average American, you're going to live about 28,105 days, give or take a few. Right? And every day, you're exchanging your life for something. And that's why it's absolutely imperative that we understand what we're exchanging it for. The Bible says that you need to do an evaluation, an exchange rate, to take a look. You know, what are you willing to exchange your soul for? You know, are you getting a good deal? So what, what keeps us from diving in in life? What keeps us from making the right commitments? I, I think past hurts will jam you up. I mean, oftentimes we're afraid of committing because we've been burned. Anybody ever been burned in life before? Makes you a little gun shy. I mean, you, you may have experienced a bad marriage. And what happens is in your head you think, you know, I may never love again. You have a bad experience in business. It leaves you a little fearful. You have a bad experience with with a friend or even a church. And you think, hmm, you know, hurt, you draw back. You're a little bit afraid. You know, sometimes I think it's easy to kind of look around and think, well, I'm the only one that's ever been hurt in life. And you'll watch somebody, they're cruising along, things are going good. And and the assumption, well, they don't know what it's like to be hurt. And I would argue, everyone knows what it's like to be hurt. We could go around the room today. We all have been hurt at some point in our life. But the difference, the difference in life is some people allow their past to define their future And other people say, you know what, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let that pain, that hurt, I'm not going to let it define who I am. It's a choice, it's a choice. I think another thing that keeps us from jumping in sometimes is self-doubt. You know, in your head, that that, uh, double-mindedness that James talked about. uh, He says they're unstable in all their ways. Trying to live on a fence. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? You know, that can be painful. It can be painful. You're, you're on the fence. You know, I'm in. What if 
No, I'm out. What if that... I'm in. Well, maybe I'm out. In, out. You know, we, we've got to get it. You've got to get off the fence at some point in life. No matter what, we're, what you're talking about, where, where the struggle is. Self-doubt is exhausting. Second-guessing yourself, playing the, the what-if game. Anybody else play that game in their life? I mean, what if? You know, we doubt our abilities. We, we, ba- we doubt our decisions. How many of you, don't raise your hand, all right? Don't raise your hand because I don't have time to do counseling this week, okay? How many of you, okay, don't raise your hand. How many of you, when you were engaged, at some point during that engagement, did you think, I wonder if I'm making the right decision? How many of you were thinking that when you were going down the aisle? How many of you have thought that a couple years into marriage? You know, here's what I would argue. I know, I know, don't even come up to me and go, oh, I never thought that. You know, they, there's those fleeting moments. You know, I didn't ask you if you focused on it, but did you think that? See, here's what I believe is when we focus on our doubt, we set ourselves up. Not that you have a doubt for a moment, but when you focus on it, you set yourself up for failure. You you spend an enormous amount of time and energy on the doubt rather than on the decision that you've made. And I think this is where a lot of people get jammed up. I mean, this idea the grass is greener, you know, on this side or that, that's not true. The grass is greener where you water it, where you spend your energies, You know, instead of second-guessing, did I do the right thing? I don't know. You commit to the right thing and then pour your energy, pour yourself into it. Quit playing the what if, you know. What if I don't like it? You know, what if it doesn't work? You know, what if I'm not competent? What if I get hurt? You know, what if, what if will paralyze you, it will mess you up, and I'll argue that it will steal God's best in your life. Independence. Independence Day will keep you from committing in life. And this is a big issue. I mean, in America it is. Independence Day. The Declaration of Independence. See, we love independence. We are so meistic in our society. We are a generation that says, you know, I got to do what works best for me. Oh, come on. A little more power. Me. Because that's how we say it. Someone challenge you. i got to do what works for me. And friends, that may sound right. It may sound patriotic. It may sound American. But i got to tell you, it's seriously messed up. Seriously messed up. It's seriously wrong. See, i got to do what's right, what's godly, you know, what God has called us to. We are the most independent generation that has ever existed, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we are also the loneliest generation. See, I believe the dark side of total independence is loneliness. 
Keep everything back. And I want to tell you, God did not create you that way. God did not create you to be independent. And God did not create you to be totally dependent, except on him. See, it's not about dependence or codependent or independent. It's about interdependence. We need each other. We need one another. You know, I'm going to do what I want, how I want, when I want. That's the mentality. And that kind of existence will keep you from making commitments in life. And it's also extremely lonely, extremely lonely. Perfectionism will keep you from committing. All right. I want you to turn to your neighbor and repeat after me. You ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm perfect. Come on. All right. You ready? Together. I'm perfect at not being perfect. Some of us kid ourselves. You know, I'll make commitments. I'll dive in when the conditions are perfect, when the situation is better. You know, Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. There's a lot there, isn't there? Preach a whole message on that. Through the years, I have heard every excuse under the sun for someone not committing to their marriage or committing to their kids or committing themselves to to whatever. You know, I'm aiming to... You know, one of these days, I'm going to do such and such in my life. Maybe someday I'll get around to it. You know, just maybe someday I'll do that. And it just jams us up. You know, the, the fact is that those days don't come around. You know, you, you think, well, when things slow down, when my life settles down, when finances are better, when I get the promotion, when the kids are a little older, when, 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 and we watch our life go by. And I want to say, quit kidding yourself. Quit kidding yourself. If you're waiting for things to be easy, you're waiting for those perfect conditions, they're never going to come. I always laugh. Uh, new couples, sometimes they go, well, we're going to wait till things are a little more stable before we have kids. And it's all I can do to not put my arm around and go, might as well get to it because life will not get any better. True? Those older, isn't that true? You're never ready. But somehow you move through it. Things never slow down. There's always something unsettled in life. So quit using the excuse for whatever it is that you're trying to keep at bay and not commit to, whether it's your family, whether it's friendships, whether it's God, those are three things that really matter in life. But quit kidding yourself. How many of you have ever been to Smorgasbord? You know how this goes. You get in line. And and at the beginning, you're kind of tempted to not put anything on your plate. Why? Why? Because there might be something better down the line, right? 
But I, get, I can tell you that at some point, as you're going down, nah, it might be, nah. At some point, you've got to start putting stuff on your plate. Otherwise, what happens? You get clear to the end, and your plate's empty. And I, I have done that several times. I have. I mean, you know, it's like, well, maybe that'll be better. Oh, I wish I'd have gotten. And it's fine at a restaurant. Because you can just go back and get in line again. But in life, friends, it will jam you up. It will mess you up. I can't tell you how many people I have been with through the years that will say, you know, I'm going to leave my options open. I'm going to leave them open in my life. I'm not committing. I'm not going to commit to God. I'm not going to commit to the church. I'm not going to get in a small group. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do anything. And what happens is they hit a point where they get broken, where they're hurting, where they're alone, and because they kept their options open because the plate's empty, they find themselves kind of whirling, dizzied, scared. So how do you you overcome this mentality? Well, I think one of the things you have to do is just ask God for wisdom in your life. You just got to ask God for wisdom so, so you don't make dumb commitments and you don't make the wrong commitments in life. James 1.5 says this, If you do not have wisdom, ask God for it. He is always ready to give it to you. And he will never say you're wrong for asking. God's ready, willing, and able. He'll help you make good decisions in life. He'll help you make good commitments in life. He'll help. It's so vital because you have to remember commitments... Commitments declare what your values are, tells what's important to you. Your commitments are going to shape you, and ultimately they're going to determine what direction you go. They're going to determine your destiny. And I think God understands that. And I think God understands it, and so he doesn't want us to get jammed up. He wants us to talk to him about those commitments. He wants us to take those steps. And last week we talked a little bit about that God sees the past, present, and future. He can see it all. He's got this tremendous perspective on our lives. And I, you know, just the analytic in me says, well, why wouldn't you leverage that wisdom that God already sees down the road? Seek God's wisdom. Go after it. Chase it. You know, God, do you want me to make this appointment? God, do you want me to take this job? God, do you want me to marry this person? Do you want me to get involved in ministry? Do you want me to accept the challenge? And pray and ask and just ask God to show you. You know, God, show me. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to invest my life in. You know, since the beginning of this church, that's been core. You know, it started with leaders seeking God, you know, committing themselves to God first, asking God for wisdom. You know, God... Help us to set aside our our selfish agendas. Help help us to take the steps that would be pleasing in your sight. And there were some of us that started sensing God kind of shaking us and saying, you know what, break the mold on on what you know church as, the way you see church. And, And then it was just a barrage of questions. Well, how? Where? When? God, show us. And God started guiding our steps. God provided opportunities, and God gave us wisdom. Because trust me, on our own, we couldn't have navigated like we have. 
you know, God, God gave us the growth. You know, I remember when we started looking for a permanent location. We were in our fourth location by then. I remember we thought we had found uh, the right piece of property that kind of kind of fit the, the criteria that we had sensed God saying, this is what you need to look for. And so we went out, and we looked and looked and looked at all, lots of stuff. I mean, lots of stuff. And we found this piece. And so we just said, okay, God, guide us. This looks good. Is it what you want? Show us. Make it clear. You know, block us if need be. And so we've, we found the piece of property, and we made an official offer on it. No response. We're like, okay. What do we do now? So we made a second offer. And we said, we'll give you what you want for the property. And we get a response back with all these contingencies. And long and short, there were enough contingencies. You go, they don't want to sell the property. Now, don't ask me why you put something on the market. And then, but I remember when we took that step, we should have been discouraged. But I remember the leadership as we sat and we discussed where, where we were. Just said, you know what? It's God's time. God's got a plan, and this isn't it. And so I went on vacation. <laughs> That's true. I went, I went on vacation. I'm down in Key Largo. I get a call. I'm out on the dock enjoying the Gulf of Mexico. Found a piece of property. And it meets all the criteria we laid out. What are they asking? Let's offer this. Long and short, we bought it. Amazing thing. God, now what? What would you have us do now? We started trying to put together the finances to build and expand the ministries of the church. And God started pressing on us and challenging us. And I'm gonna, I'll just be up front with you. This has been a daunting process. Daunting. I mean, there, there have been times where I'm like, I take big breaths and I take the next step. I remember early on, it was kind of like, come on, God, we're, we're a young congregation. Not very many of us. And then, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I, I, I would be lying to you if I don't, didn't say those things still creep in my head sometimes. But God kept pressing. God says, who are you going to trust? And then that little voice, have I ever failed you? Have I ever failed you? And then finally, some of us just said, all in, God. We're all in. And there's something I've figured out. When you seek God, he will always take you beyond what you know, where you're comfortable, and what you can do on your own. And God will take you where you have to absolutely, 100%. There is no way you navigate it without totally relying on him. And I think that's what is the best that God has to offer. And it just scares me to death sometimes. But it's so sweet. And this is what I figured out. It's the best way. It's the only way. 
And so I need God's wisdom, whatever the choices are in life. Second thing that I think we have to do is after we seek that wisdom is you got to do a cost-benefit analysis in life. Is the payoff greater than the price? You have to always ask yourself that. Whatever, if you have a major decision, okay, I'm not talking about whether you get vanilla or chocolate ice cream, you know, they're, they're you know, what's the cost? I'm talking major things in life. When you face that, I think you have to look and say, you know what? What am I committing to? What are the gives and takes? You know, what's going to jam me up? And something that I figured out is the world promises a lot, but delivers very little. And that when you commit yourself and align yourself with God's plan, whether it's in marriage or as a parent or vocationally, that when you line up with God's plan in your life, the cost doesn't even compare to the benefits. But you always got to ask yourself, is the cause worth the cost? Is it worth the investment? You know, Jesus is very specific about the the benefits of committing our lives to, to God. You know, the benefits like you, you figure out your purpose in life. You understand why you're here. You find meaning and significance when you align with God. You find forgiveness in, in your life. You find peace in the midst of storms. You know, you find security for, for the future and for eternity. You find power to overcome hurt, to overcome bad habits, to overcome those things that tend to mess people up. I mean, the benefits, I could spend the whole morning just talking about the benefits of aligning with God and giving our lives to Jesus Christ. But I find it very interesting that Jesus, you know, sometimes we, we kind of, our image of him is this uh, soft, gentle, you know, never say anything out of line. But Jesus doesn't soft sell Christianity. You know, Luke 14, it says, if you want to be my disciple, get ready. You must hate everyone else by comparison. And what, what's saying there is you need to get perspective. Your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. But don't begin until you count the cost. I mean, Jesus is crystal clear here. He says, when you dive in, when you dive into that faith and you put God first and foremost, it means you've got to deny yourself at times. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to follow on a daily basis And Jesus says, but I want you to weigh it out. I want you to look at the cost versus the benefit because he knows if you really dig into it that the benefits far outweigh what it will cost you. Proverbs 20 verse 25 says, it is a trap for a person to dedicate something rashly and only later consider their vows. You know, it's a trap to not think about the things that we commit ourselves to. Have you ever noticed it's always easier to get in than to get out? It's easier to make a silly decision 
than to clean one up. You know, it's easier to start a relationship than to keep a relationship growing. It's easier to fill your schedule than to fulfill it. And before you dive, whatever it is that you sense God having you dive into, you've got to count the cost. You've got to weigh it out. And then the third thing, you've got to trust God to help you do it. You've got to trust God to help you do it. It's not just to guide you. He'll do that. He'll give you wisdom. It's not just to help you count the cost, to look at the benefit versus the cost. But it says God will help you keep those commitments. Proverbs 20, or 37, uh, 5 says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him to help you do it. And He will. If you commit your life to Jesus Christ, if you've done that, that means you're a believer. And if you're a believer, here's what it means. No longer are whatever the commitments that you've made in life, no longer does it rest on your shoulders alone. No longer is it dependent upon your strength and your power and your wisdom because God says, you know what? I'm going to weigh in. The the creator of this universe is going to leverage in on your life, and he's going to give you the strength and the wisdom and the power to keep motoring on, to keep pushing forward. And I think that's good news. You make the right choice. God says, I'll help you stay on course. I'll give you what you need. Philippians 2, 13 says, it is God who's at work within you, giving you both the will and the power to accomplish his purposes. God says, not only will I help you make that right choice, not only will I give you the the vision for what the future needs to be, but I'll give you the power and the strength and everything that's needed to do it. You know, I've talked to people through the years, and once in a while I'll run across someone, they'll go, I don't know, you know, committing my life to Jesus, that's not what scares me. I'm afraid I won't follow through. You know, I won't, won't see it through. And I always tell them, you know what, you miss the point. You miss the point. It's just take the first step. God will give you wisdom. God will give you strength. God will give you power as you seek him, as you move forward in life. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, God is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. Notice that God does the keeping. He helps me keep my commitments. So some of you are struggling in your life, I know. You're struggling with commitments to, to your spouse or to your family or to God or to faith or, or church, you know. And, and it's kind of getting to you. And some of you have been putting off some things in your life, you know, like getting your priorities straight, you know, making that commitment to, to your wife or husband you know, making your kids a high priority or giving your life to Jesus Christ or following in baptism or connecting uh, with a church somewhere. If this isn't your local church, wherever, wherever it is that you worship, you know, making that commitment, getting involved in ministry so you can mark eternity so that, you know, getting a small group so that when times are tough, you've got, it, you've got people around you to help you. And we don't do it all because of a thing called fear. We keep putting it off. And friends, God will help you if you dive. Philippians 4.13, Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, 
it doesn't take great people to do great things. It only takes committed people. Committed people make for great marriages, make for great parents, make for great ministers, leaders. You know, committed, committed. There is this incredible power that exists when people commit themselves to something. You know, no life becomes great where there isn't a focus and a commitment to something. Your happiness, your fulfillment, your effectiveness in life is determined by the commitments you make. I mean, think about this. 1945, Munich, Germany, largest stadium in the world at that time. 100,000 men gathered in that stadium. They wore brown shirts, and they formed a sign around a, a very fanatical speaker that day by the name of Adolf Hitler. And that sign said, we are yours, Hitler. And friends, that group of men nearly took over the world. You know, you think about Lenin. Lenin said, give me a hundred committed men and I'll change the world. Not, not long after, after those words were spoken, there was a group of young Chinese men that read a book the sayings of Chairman Mao. Some of you may have read it. They read it, it so impacted their lives that they memorized it. How'd you like that? Want to be a part of this church? Memorize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, people go, whoa. But they memorized it. And they took the largest country in the world and give you a perspective, one in four people live in China. One in four. And they took that, and they began to live it. And those men, very small group, began to impact their culture. And ultimately... I believe that's why communism is so strong in China. We're going to hear a lot about that through the Olympics. But those young people, the minority in that country, took over the majority. See, I believe that you do not need the moral majority to change the world. I just believe you've got to have a committed minority. You know, studies have shown that 2% of the population can change a culture. And so here's where my mind goes. What if a small group of people in a small church called Faith Fellowship committed themselves and said, Jesus, we are yours. We're all in whatever you see fit. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, let your mind run with that a little bit. In the Old Testament talks about a, a king by the name of Asa. And Asa, at the end of his life, this is what was said of him. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. And friends, when I read that, I think that's a success. That's what success is about. Oh, to have that written on my tombstone. You know, his heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. 
People change the world not because they're educated, wealthy, talented, but because they're committed to something. That all-in mentality. God's looking for people to use all the time. Second Chronicles says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What kind of people does God use? People whose hearts are fully committed. You know, God's looking for people to mark eternity, to change the tide, to make an impact in, in our culture for good. You know, God, God uses people all the time if you just let him. You know, God's looking for people. He's not looking for someone that has through-the-roof talent or an IQ or wealth. He's looking for an undivided heart, undivided. And friends, I plan on being that person. And I hope you plan on being that person. You know, make your one and only life count. Make it matter. You know, let God use you somehow. And just make it count in your life. You know, C.S. Lewis, I always liked the way he put this. He said, if Christianity is untrue, then it's unimportant. However, if Christianity is true, then it is of the utmost importance The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. You ever try and be a casual Christian? It's a contradiction. It's kind of like saying, well, I'm sort of pregnant. (laughs) You either are or you aren't. Casual Christian, contradiction. You know, sometimes I think we act like Christianity's... uh, like something we add on to our life, and it's like a seasoning. Oh, a little Christianity. That's true. Oh, I'm a Christian, you know. Friends, Christianity is a total takeover. It's Jesus Christ coming in. It's all in. And it's one of the hardest commitments you'll ever make in your life. But friends, when you dive, when you commit yourself to a task, I believe you experience the best God has to offer. Whether that's in your marriage, vocationally, as a parent, recreationally, when you just got to dive. Spiritually, take a dive. Get out of the boat. Get on the water. Get in the water. But sometimes you just have to dive. Let's, let's bow in a word of prayer to God. Our holy God. God, I know that there are those here today that they haven't made the commitments they need to in their marriage or as a parent or vocationally or to their health their spirituality, their relationship with you, whatever it is, God. I just pray that you would make us bold, that we would step out on the water, that we'd face whatever whatever monsters are ahead, that uh, we'd just give you our whole heart, that we'd be all in, 
God, use us. Strengthen our families, our nation. God, I pray that you would use this church in a mighty way. When the storms hit, when others are running for cover, we stand strong for you. We give you the glory and the praise this day. Amen. Just remain seated and uh, let the song minister to you. If you got a need to make a commitment in your life, just lift it up to God during it. You know, maybe you need to say, you know what, I, I've been kind of making my marriage second rate, or uh, been kind of sh- shuffling my kids off to the side, or you know, vocationally things are a wreck, or financially, or you know, spiritually, whatever. Just commit that stuff to God. I know a God that's bigger than whatever problems you face and a God that can make a difference in that. So let this song minister to you.